0: Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Butt in Washington. Today is Tuesday, December 20th. And here are some of the stories we are covering South African President Ramaphosa is re elected leader of the ruling African National Congress Party.
1: Effectively, with Ramaphosa being re elected, we can rest assured that 2023 is going to be spent with litigation and the parliament always calling the president to account.
0: A political analyst says President Ramaphosa will be plagued by investigations going into the 2024 general elections. Sudanese security forces used stun grenades and tear gas to disperse hundreds of protesters. South Sudan's National Security Service denies accusations of human rights abuses. And a U.S. congressional committee makes referrals to the Justice Department to criminally prosecute former President Donald Trump.
2: The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States.
0: And Chinese nationals are rescued from captivity in Nigeria. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. In South Africa, President Cyril Ramaphosa has retained leadership of the governing African National Congress, the ANC, at the party's elective conference in Johannesburg. His re-election mandates him to take the ANC into national polls in early 2024 and to continue his fight against corruption. But, as Darren Taylor reports, the conference has revealed an ANC in sharp decline, racked by infighting.
3: Ramaphosa Cyril,
4: his total is 2,476. The moment Ramaphosa's re-election was confirmed, with 5,000 delegate votes from nine provinces up for grabs, he beat his closest rival, former Health Minister Zweli Mukize, by about 600 votes. Animosity was sparked between the former friends earlier this year, when the president's anti-corruption task force arrested and charged Nkizeh for alleged financial crimes related to COVID pandemic funds. At the conference, ANC members who remain loyal to former president Jacob Zuma, ousted by Ramaphosa at the same event five years ago, tried to disrupt proceedings and sway votes away from the incumbent and toward Nkizeh. But Ramaphosa stood firm promising renewal and rebirth of an organisation becoming increasingly unpopular because of corruption, rising unemployment and crime, and debilitating electricity outages. Over almost three decades, the ANC has failed to stem poverty and create jobs in South Africa, choosing instead to enrich itself, according to critics. Ramaphosa spokesperson Vincent Maguenya told reporters the president's ready to give the country a new ANC. We feel extremely energized that the president will be able to accelerate the institutional reforms, as well as the economic reforms that he has initiated and undertaken, and some of those reforms have started bearing fruits and so the president Rammapoza is himself afflicted by a scandal related to the theft of almost six hundred thousand dollars from his game ranch in two thousand twenty. A legal panel has found the president possibly committed criminal conduct, a finding he's disputing in court. But Ramaphosa's support within the ANC from senior officials such as Faiz Jacobs never wavered. We believed in him and we continue to push the renewal agenda and I think we are very happy, we're over
1: the moon, that our president has uh, very decisively, very emphatically showed and demonstrated the confidence of all of our branches. And it is a unity and
4: renewal vote of confidence in the presidency. Jacobs, like many in the ANC, presents the clear dissent and division within the ruling party as healthy democracy. We all had our different preferences. We all had our favourites. But
1: now that leadership represents us as the ANC. So let's rally, let's defend, let's consolidate around that. And I don't want to have this thing about them and us.
4: We are one ANC now. But even top party members say the internal power struggles, many to do with who controls government money, are destroying the ANC. Political analyst Sam Mkokeli says being at this conference was like attending the ANC's funeral. He says the party is riddled with criminals and incompetents who won't allow Ramaphosa to make the sweeping good governance changes necessary to turn South Africa around.
1: So you can actually put money on it, the ANC will fall below 50% in the coming election and they seem not to understand that they seem unprepared to be dealing with the consequences or even doing a substantively different work and approach to avoid that.
4: Bad feeling between rival camps in the ANC was evident well after results were announced. Party members singing, not with a united voice, but to insult one another. Kelly and other experts say the ANC is doomed no matter what Ramaphosa does or doesn't do going forward. Either the party will split, they say, or it will fade into dwindling significance. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. A South
0: African political analyst says President Cyril Ramaphosa might have won re-election as leader of the ruling African National Congress or the ANC, but he will be a weakened president especially come the 2024 national elections. An independent parliamentary committee concluded that the president violated the Constitution and engaged in corrupt practices in relation to thousands of U.S. dollars illegally hidden at his Palapala farm. Professor Sipos Cipe is a former Deputy Vice Chancellor for Institutional Support at the University of Zululand. He tells me that President Ramaphosa will be dogged by endless investigations going into the 2024 general elections.
1: 2024 is a year of uh, our national elective contest, and effectively, with Ramaphosa being re-elected, we can rest assured that the uh, 2023 is going to be spent with litigation and the parliament always calling the president to account. And effectively, that is going to weaken the ANC because the president has been touching and diving. And what we are having is that you have a a president who's being investigated by a number of uh, bodies from the South African Reserve Bank to the South African Revenue Service to the police and also parliament. But also when one looks at... uh, the votes themselves you'll see a party that is heavily divided there's a excitement by ramaphosa's camp but they they also know that you have a palapala matter at the same time one could also say this represents Ramaposa ramaphosa with an opportunity to strengthen his team to reshuffle cabinet to have only the people that he knows are supporting him
0: professor You mentioned the next national elections are 2024. So, with the re election now, does this make President Ramaphosa stronger nationally? And let's say, what would it do internationally, given the controversy with which he won?
1: Well, I don't think internationally he's strong. Neither do I think he's strong in the country. He may be strong in the party. But the opposition parties who are in a majority are willing to take a mileage out of this uh, pala par- controversy. It's going to be embroiled in litigation and they, they've already gone to the courts and there's going to be Parliament is not going to stop. It is still going to raise this issue. So we're going to see a number of motions of no confidence being preferred against him in Parliament. And you're also going to have Society that is saying the president cannot behave as he is above the law. And all those things are going to weaken the presidency of the ANC. He may be strong within the ANC, but he will not be strong in terms of uh, the people in this country, the voters.
0: Before I let you go, Professor. The future of the ANC, the fact that uh, President Ramaphosa has been re-elected, was it based on personal loyalty or what is the ANC commitment to principle? I mean, which type of ANC is moving forward now?
1: Well, the many members of the ANC have been on the Twitter space saying they are done with the ANC. They are saying this is not the ANC that they supported over the years. But we also see the voters themselves. Uh, The ANC used to enjoy support uh, throughout every corner of South Africa. And the numbers have been dwindling. And last year, they were plummeting. So effectively, the ANC as a liberation movement has somehow ceased to exist. It is now conceived by people who are more power mongers than people who are going to take positions on the basis of principle. But at the same time, we also have a party that has also failed in terms of all its promises.
0: Professor, thank you always for your analysis.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Professor Sipo Sippe is a political analyst and former deputy vice chancellor for institutional support at the University of Zululand. You are speaking with me from Johannesburg. The Congressional Committee that investigated last year's January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol recommended on Monday that the Justice Department criminally prosecute former President Donald Trump. The committee accuses former President Trump of trying to illegally scheme to upend his 2020 election laws to Democrat Joe Biden and promote violence to stay in power. In a first in U.S. history, the House of Representatives panel, seven Democrats and two anti-Trump Republicans unanimously urged prosecutors to file four charges against the former U.S. leader. The committee charged Trump, who left office in January 2021 with inciting or assisting an insurrection, obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress as a met to certify Biden's way, conspiracy to defraud the United States, and conspiracy to make a false statement. Here is Representative Jamie Ruskin, Democrat of the state of Maryland.
2: The fourth and final statute we invoke for referral is Title 18, Section 2383. The statute applies to anyone who incites assists or engages in insurrection against the United States of America and anyone who gives aid or comfort to an insurrection. An insurrection is a rebellion against the authority of the United States. It is a grave federal offense anchored in the Constitution itself, which repeatedly opposes insurrections and domestic violence and indeed uses participation in insurrection by officeholders holders as automatic grounds for disqualification from ever holding public office again at the federal or state level. Anyone who incites others to engage in rebelling, assists them in doing so, or gives aid and comfort to those engaged in insurrection is guilty of a federal crime. The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transition of power under our Constitution. The President has an affirmative and primary constitutional duty to act to take care that the laws be faithfully executed
0: That was Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat of the state of Maryland. The panel also referred five other Trump allies, Mark Meadows, Trump's final White House chief of staff, and lawyers Rudy Giuliani, a former New York mayor, John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, and Kenneth Chesibro for potential prosecution for actions that the committee said warranted a Justice Department investigation. All has sought to overturn election results to keep Trump in power. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on The Voice of America. I am James Bartley Washington. Today is Tuesday, December 20th. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Security forces used stunt grenades and tear gas on Monday to disperse hundreds of protesters rallying in Khartoum on the fourth anniversary of the uprising that led to the ouster of longtime leader Omar Al Bashir. Nisrim El Saim, a youth protester in Khartoum and chair of the UN Secretary General's Youth Advisory Group on Climate Change, described the scenes that unfolded on the streets of Sudan to viewers caravan them.
5: Some of the people are with the agreement that was signed, but they are a bit worried about how things will go because there is a lack of trust. And some um, are absolutely against the agreement and they think that uh, they want the right radical solution, which is the military totally out of the scene um, and uh, fair trials to the people who made the crimes, especially for the leaders who supervised somehow the killing of the rest of the protesters um, in the past year? Because you know, the number of the dead people or the mortals that we had last year after the coup is actually more than we had during the revolution of 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 uh, of uh, December 2018. So basically, the number of ma- the size of of violence against the protesters now after mm-hmm. coup is actually bigger than the one that the previous regime actually did. And this is not uh, a good sign. Most of the slogans are saying that the uh, fair trials, military um, should go out. Uh, we want our civilians back, but in our own conditions. we don't trust the politicians anymore. And some of them are like this. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying when you describe how these boxes are going and you're trying to advance, you're trying to move forward, and then they break it up with stun grenades and tear gas, and then these boxes just kind of like reform somewhere else but nearby? Yes, we uh, normally gather and come back to the same bus. Well, the leading in the field is a bit hard. That's why you should keep, uh, I and mean, this is the only way you can succeed, especially in the tide time, uh, keep the right formulation. So anything happen, we divide and then we go back to the circulations again. Do you know if these kinds of protests that are happening where you are right now in Khartoum are happening in other cities in, Sud- in Sudan yeah. today? Yes, uh, other cities are also having demonstrations. Um, uh, unfortunately, also, because I'm not sure if you know this or not, but um, the uh, military and the government forces, they used um, a Russian and a Canadian company to um, hide all of the posts around the revolution or around the protests um, in Sudan. So now the coverage in the social media is very, very low. And not because there is not a lot of people covering, but you cannot see it. I mean, uh, in my Facebook account, for example, I have more than 3,000 uh, friends and all of them are somehow in the street now or one of the days. Yet I spent almost uh, six months with no seeing any pro- any uh, posts about protest. Also, the big influencers pages are consistently, consistently uh, attacked. Uh, by cybersecurity uh, experts, and sometimes they actually succeed closing the pages of them. So it is it is uh, quite quite isolating. They are trying to isolate the street from each other as much as they isolated the street from the leadership of the political movements.
0: That was Nisrim El Sahim, a protester in Khartoum who is also chairperson of the UN Secretary General's Youth Advisory Group on Climate Change. She was speaking with my colleague Carol Van Dam. South Sudan's intelligence service, known as the National Security Service, or the NSS, has rejected a recent report by the Century that accuses the agency of illegal undercover activities that include widespread grave human rights abuses and corruption. Addressing journalists on Friday in Juba, the Director of Public Relations at the NSS Internal Security Bureau, David John Kumuri, says the report makes false and inaccurate allegations against individuals and the work of the National Security Service. Deng Guy Deng has more for VOA
6: from Bo. David John Kumri, Director for Public Relations at the Internal Security Bureau of the National Security Service, told reporters in Juba on Friday that the report makes inaccurate allegations against certain individuals
7: and in the work of the National Security Service. Uh, the National Security Service of South Sudan rejects the allegations contained in the century report undercover activities inside the National Security Profitable Paybook published in December 2022. No advance copy was provided by the senator to the National Security Service or to the individual named in the report to enable correction of the facts and information before the publications. In its December
6: 8th report, the Suntry accused the NSS of establishing control over the country through extensive business operations and undercover activities, including widespread human rights abuses and corruption. The report accused the NSS of being ruthless, secretive, and well funded. It said personnel were involved in kidnapping, torture, and illegal detention. It also alleges that the NSS plays a critical role in the capture of public institutions and revenue streams in the country. The century said that corporate records it reviewed reveal a vast network of companies with NSS shareholders across key sectors including the economic sector, financial sector, oil sector and media sector and that top national security officers are shareholders in some of their firms. Kumri says the report relies on third party sources for
7: information. The allegations it makes have not been independently checked and verified by its authors. The report also fails to consider recent reforms within the security service sector and the legal proceedings against individuals who are alleged to have committed crimes or disciplinary bridges
6: the century says the nss has funded a campaign of surveillance intimidation and horrific violence against civilians activists and journalists and has interfered with civil society and the press, suppressed freedom of speech and permanently silenced those who spoke out against the
7: regime the report is part of a wider ongoing campaign by a senator and its backers who seek to undermine the peace and security of the Republic of South Sudan. The National Security Service, ladies and gentlemen, will be issuing a comprehensive report.
6: Kumri refused to take questions from the reporters, saying only that the century report was intended to smear the South Sudan government. Century researcher Laila Hammett told VOA earlier this month that the international community and financial institutions must identify accounts held by NSS personnel and target them with sanctions. For VOA News, I am then guiding in board.
0: Nigerian officials say seven Chinese nationals received medical attention on Monday after being rescued from nearly six months in captivity. Nigerian military forces recovered the abductees in a weekend operation in the central state of Kaduna. Timothy Obiezu reports from the Nigerian capital Abuja.
3: A spokesman for the Nigerian Air Force, Gabriel Gapwet said in a statement Sunday that the Chinese nationals were rescued from the Doka and Nguaska areas of Kaduna state after a tactical overnight operation. He said the captors abandoned their enclaves, including the abductees and their weapons. He said the abductees had been held for more than five months by terrorists who seized them from a mining site in the Shiroro local government area of Niger state. Gapkwet did not immediately respond to calls for comment from VOA. In a statement Monday, Niger State Governor Abubakar Sani Bello praised the Air Force for the rescue and said, Authorities will continue to collaborate with all security forces in the state to ensure citizens are safe and secure. Officials said the rescued Chinese nationals were taken to an unidentified medical facility. During the June attack at the mining site, at least 22 security operatives were killed, including police and the military. Nigeria's central and northwestern states have seen increasing incidents of attacks by armed groups known as bandits. On Monday, a local government spokesperson in the Kaura area of Kaduna State told Lagos-based Channels Television that armed men killed at least. 37 people in an attack Sunday and burned down more than 100 houses. Police have not commented on the development, but security analyst Chidi Major blames the violence on the July escape of hundreds of inmates from the Abuja prison.
1: When that uh, jailbreak happened and you were told that tens and tens of terrorists who were being held there escaped, where do you think they went to? Because they would not be told that they'd be arrested. So they may have gone to reactivate their terrorist cells. So it becomes very, very possible, it becomes very, very understandable if somebody begins to put two and two together.
3: For more than 13 years, Nigeria has been battling Boko Haram and other insurgent groups in the country's northeastern region. An estimated 300,000 people have been killed in the crisis. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria.
0: And that's it for this Tuesday, December 20th edition of Daybreak Africa.